0: Welcome
1: to Education Matters presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Tom Williams. Right now, the world faces something practically unimaginable, a global pandemic and its impacts are feeling felt right here in North Carolina. The coronavirus is affecting not only our health and business sectors, but it's also impacting our youth. From online learning to mental health and food access, schools and families are feeling the effects of the virus and finding ways to adjust to this new reality. Today on Education Matters, we want to provide information on this developing situation and what it means for our education community. So instead of delivering the usual headlines, I'll be providing a brief update on how our state and education leaders have responded to the coronavirus Last Saturday, Governor Roy Cooper, in consultation with the State Board of Education Chair Eric Davis, State Superintendent of Public Instruction Mark Johnson, and North Carolina Health and Human Services Secretary Mandy Cohen issued an executive order to close all K-12 public schools in North Carolina starting March 16th for a minimum of two weeks in order to reduce the spread of the coronavirus. The governor also appointed an education and nutrition working group to help ensure that children and families are able to access essential nutrition, Healthcare and child care needs while schools are closed. State and district leaders are working to develop remote learning plans, and teachers across the state, including our recent Teachers of the Year, have been developing online lessons to help learning continue in the midst of this uncertainty. Ninety-five of North Carolina's 115 school districts and 24 out of nearly 200 charter schools have launched emergency programs to feed students. Some public schools may also be turned into emergency childcare centers to assist parents and caretakers who are working on the front lines of this crisis. A number of questions remain, including how long schools will need to be closed, whether they'll have to make up the lost days, and how existing graduation and testing requirements will be addressed. As the weeks progress, we will do our best to keep you up to date. Here's one way to stay informed. The Public School Forum is compiling resources and updates related to the coronavirus on our website at www.ncforum.org. Joining us now to talk about the status of state and local efforts to implement distance learning and remote learning, as well as insights into how school districts are planning for the current and potentially extended closing of our schools, is Dr. Marianne Wolf, senior director of the Professional Learning and Leading Collaborative at the Friday Institute at NC State University. Dr. Wolf, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: The Friday Institute for Education Innovation um, is in its second decade of existence. It's been at the forefront, played a central role in a statewide lead partner in developing and implementing the statewide digital age teaching and learning initiative. In light of today's um, coronavirus realities, how has this helped better position our state in responding to today's circumstances?
0: Well, if there was ever a situation that requires us to tap into all of our partnerships our resources and our strengths it is definitely now and i'm watching schools and districts across our state but in the country really bring out the best in all of us to support the well-being of all students when it comes to remote learning we're very fortunate here in north carolina because we have been a leader in thinking about how can we best support our students through digital age teaching and learning at the friday institute we've had the benefit for many, many years to work with several key partners and have support at the state level for this great work. That includes the General Assembly, the Department of Public Instruction and the State Board of Education, it includes the Superintendent and Principal Associations, many other organizations and of course our districts and our schools. So I think there's many things we've been able to do here that really make us a leader and we're not starting from scratch. Um, a couple of things really stand out for me that we've been able to do. Um, one of those is focusing on broadband and making sure that our schools and districts are connected, but we've also done a lot of work to figure out how can we help increase access for our students, how can we make sure when they're at home they have access. Um, with all those efforts, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the creative ones that we've seen, like hotspots on buses and sending home hotspots with students, we still know that about one in six of our students don't have access. So, with all the progress we've made, we still know right now that's a really important challenge. We've also seen a lot of professional learning that um, has happened to help support our district leaders, our school leaders, our educators to make sure that they're prepared for how do you use digital age teaching and learning. And so when you put those efforts together through the broadband access, through tools and resources to understand what we have, um, the professional learning to help grow that capacity and also resources to help connect with home, those are all making a big difference right now as we try to understand how do we keep learning? and supporting our students while this is going on.
1: Uh, Well, thank you, and there's uh, been uh, a tremendous amount of work uh, in bridging the connection between individual local schools and and CERT at the state. And over the last couple of weeks, this past week in particular, a tremendous amount of discussion about students moving into an online learning community while the schools are closed. a dawning responsibility for the public schools, 1.5 uh, million students mm-hmm. um, all across the state, 95,000 teachers. Um, what do you see as some of the benefits of what's been put in place and some of the challenges that you think um, the state faces and local schools and local families?
0: Sure, it's a wonderful question, and that I think we're all wrestling with. How do we best continue to serve our students? Uh, I think we always talk about the importance of schools as being a true hub of the community and I think it's very important as we're thinking about what happens over the next couple of weeks and perhaps longer is how do we continue to be that hub for our students. Um, One of the things that's at the forefront is equity so as we're looking at the opportunities and also the challenges how are we making sure that we can meet the needs of all of our students and all of our learners. Um, I think there's a few things that really stand out to me. We have to be patient and not try to do everything at once. And so we've watched schools this week trying to put some key pieces in place. What can they do? How can they connect with their families and try and really figure that out carefully, but not try to jump in and overwhelm people because we're all getting used to a new normal. We also need to think through the idea that it won't look like an 8 to 3 situation. And so it might have some of those hours. Students will be engaged with us, but we need to really be thinking thinking about how is it that we can take advantage of the possibilities without trying to create the same situation we have in schools when they are at home. We do know that we need to also really think through um, how do we provide some structures for students, but understanding how important it's going to be that there's flexibility. Some of our students will be watching younger siblings, other things like that. Um, We do see a real opportunity to build learner agency though. How can you ask students what are their goals and help them to think through that? And I think that's something parents can do, but teachers can too. A really big area um, that we're thinking through is avoiding isolation. Um, When you think about school as a community and how that's such a center point for so many of our students, we want to think through how can you use different kinds of learning environments. So there are tools where students can log on and they can actually share what they're thinking and help do that. Um, A school in Rowan Salisbury is putting out a video every day, um, just a welcome video, like two minutes, kind of that morning meeting idea. We have other teachers that are communicating like that. So those are some of the great opportunities is to really stay connected and how can we think through that we also think there are ways to help students stay connected to each other so what kinda projects can they do even if they don't have internet access is there work that we can send home through packets which Mm -hmm. we've been very creative with distributing packets Um, are there some things like that that we can do where students call each other where they interview family members where they do something like that so again really trying to work hard to capitalize on that possibility um, I think is something that's very important to us
1: well, we're kind of fortunate, and our view, viewers are fortunate to have not only your professional expertise, but also your public service expertise. Mm-hmm. You're currently chairwoman of the Chapel Hill-Carborough City School System, serve on that board of, director, uh, board of education as chair. Um, how's the board and your superintendent and staff prepared for the current and potentially longer stay uh, of uh, schools being closed?
0: So this is another example of when we're just, I'm so impressed with the district and the schools and all of our educators, but also our community and our students and how they've come together. Um, There were several key things that they really wanted to focus on as they were getting ready. And of course, equity is one of those things. And how do we meet the needs of all of our learners? Something that I think you'll be hearing more from is about food insecurity. So that's something that we did a lot of deep thinking about. How do we make sure there's continuity there? Um, We also want to figure out how do we continue learning with our students and continue that deep connection. So we've had packets that went home with our elementary students, Um, middle and high school students will be utilizing um, some Google Classroom and other um, aspects like that where they can continue to connect with their teachers in a meaningful way. Um, we do have different things though that I think are challenges that we're trying to figure out. And again, thinking through some of our students, the most vulnerable students, um, thinking about our EC students, how do we make sure we can provide those services? So those are some of the challenges we're thinking about, but also really coming up with some solutions together.
1: have got a little over a minute left, and maybe some of your closing thoughts on both your professional hat, your public service mm-hmm. hat, of what you see as the key kinds of uh, thoughts that you have to leave us with tonight as we move forward.
0: So, I do think we're going to need to continue to look at our state for leadership around calendar flexibility, around how we make sure that we're able to pay our hourly and classified workers, how we really are thinking about what students need um, in order to be flexible so that we can meet the needs of our students. And I think, at the end of the day, we have to be willing to be kind and be flexible. These are changing times every single day. And so, as the hub of the community that our schools are, we want to make sure we're continuing that and staying connected with our families and our students and I believe in North Carolina we can do that.
1: We're grateful to you and uh, the Friday Institute's leadership, all of your partners, state local levels, and also to our uh, publicly elected boards of education across the state and the leadership that you're providing in concert with the state leadership. So thank you very much for being here with us this evening, and we'll look forward to hearing from you in the future. After a brief commercial break, we'll be back to discuss nutrition programs with Julie Page Pittman. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. Joining us now to talk about the steps we can take to ensure all of North Carolina's children eat during this crisis is Julie Page Pittman, the North Carolina Education Outreach Manager for the national nonprofit No Kid Hungry, and she's the 2018 Western Region Teacher of the Year as well. Thank you for being here, Julie, so much. We're glad to see you.
2: Thank you, Tom. It's Good. great to be here tonight. Good.
1: So if you will, talk to us about the challenges of meeting the children's nutritional needs in, in light of the coronavirus pandemic and uh, the school closures that are statewide
2: sure well as a mom and a veteran teacher i worry about the impact that this is going to have on all of our north carolina public school children um, but most importantly i think that i need to contextualize this for your audience Low income families in our state struggle with meeting basic needs on a daily basis. And one in five North Carolina children come from a family that considers themselves food insecure, meaning they might not know where one of their meals is going to come from during the week. Um, in a national study, two thirds of American families said that an unexpected expense of $1,500 would keep them from being able to feed their kids adequately. And over half of Americans could not handle a $400 unexpected expense, so those families are the ones who are going to shoulder the burden that this coronavirus and its, its effects and the closing of school are going to have on, on everyone in the United States. And the kids are the ones who are really going to shoulder the, the outcome of not being able to be in school. Um, I think kids who have a hard time getting food outside of school where school is is their safety place but also the place where they get at least one if not two meals a day or more those kids we've got to be able to find out a way to make sure that they are now going to be getting food at home
1: Great. so I know no no kid hungry has been working hard for several years um, here in North Carolina what steps have been taken so far to help address These realities that you've just mentioned.
2: Sure. Well, I'm really excited to to hear that the federal government has passed a congressional spending bill to help um, to really help alleviate some of the problems that are going to come as a result of this. Um, And North Carolina Department of Public Instruction School Nutrition Team, led by Dr. Lynn Harvey, um, and and the district teams across the state have worked very hard, tirelessly for well over a week to make sure that there are plans and place to feed kids all across the state of North Carolina. Um, Many areas are offering grab-and-go meals. In fact, today when I took my own daughters to go pick up our our, uh, content packets from our teachers, we were met with smiling faces of teachers and and many of the cars that were in line at the school were getting boxes and bags of food that were being delivered by the teachers. most of the districts are, are allowing students who are or st- kids who are under the age of 18 or 18 and under uh, to be able to get food at no cost and No Kid Hungry is going to be able to help with some emergency grants to make sure that districts and communities are going to be able to reach the needs of all the kids.
1: Have a little bit of, about a little over a minute left, how can the public help to ensure that all children have access to healthy meals uh, during this time of being out of school.
2: Yeah. So, um, spread the word. Uh, make sure that that people, if you know of organizations and schools that are serving kids in an alternative way or to, to me- bridge the gap in the meantime, spread the word. Um, healthy meals are that have been being prepared by school nutrition professionals are continuing to feed those kids, even at, in the face of the school closings. Um, no Kid Hungry North Carolina has a website. It's www.nokidhungrync.org. And go to that website and find all all the information. We've got a list of all the school districts and all their plans and where all of the feeding sites are. Um, we're really grateful for the, for the partnership that we've seen across the state. Um, look at your local food pantry and ask your PTA for help.
1: Our state could not have a better champion to help lead the partnerships with this. So thank you, Julie, for being with us this evening and good luck as we move forward. Thank you. After the break, we'll discuss how we can do our best to safeguard our children's mental health with Dr. Amanda Allen. Thank you. Welcome back to Education Matters. Joining us now to talk about how we can do our best to safeguard our children's mental health is Dr. Amanda Allen, the Executive Director of Social and Emotional Learning for Johnston County Public Schools. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah. uh, A critically important topic. Um, Schools are closed, um, the connectivity every day with teachers. What advice do you have for parents and caregivers, grandchildren, childcare workers? Um, to help address these needs of our students during this time,
3: I think one of the best piece of, pieces of advice I can give is that we stay informed. When we're thinking about mental health, this is something that's unseen, and it's important to check in with our kids and, and our youth and to say, "How are you doing? How are you feeling right now?" and validate those feelings that they've got. Because what we forget sometimes is that their perception is their reality. So they're seeing all of these things change dramatically right now and it's impacting them, whether you're realizing it or not. So having an open, frank conversation of what questions do you have right now for me? And you know, about the situation, are you having any worries and allowing yourself to engage in a factual conversation really can go a long way right now.
1: So what advice do you have for the parents um, and to help address their mental health needs?
3: One of the best things that parents can do is be great models during this time. Take care of your mental health first. Parenting is not an easy feat, and now you might be a teacher on top of that. So take care of yourself because what you're doing to take care of yourself is gonna trickle down to your your child or your youth. And if you know that you're starting to feel heightened and anxious about something, help yourself calm down, but also vocalize how you're calming down. Have you decided that you need to watch a comedy for a little while because the news has gotten too intense? If so, check in with your kid and make sure that they're not feeling the same way and honestly limiting the news. It's good to have those facts. We can get those facts anytime when we log in. We don't want to have the news uh, on constantly because one thing we don't realize is developmentally if a child is seeing even the same news feed over and over and over again their brain is processing it as a new event every time that it's happening which is extremely overwhelming and scary.
1: So we've got a wide range of students with different needs in our schools from pre-K all the way through seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Some quick ideas or uh, thoughts that you have on activities that parents along that continuum can do at home with their kids.
3: So I say don't overthink this too much and really use the situation to your advantage. Now is a time where we're being forced to calm down and slow down. This is not an opportunity we get very often in America. So take the chance to really get to know your kid, your youth, and make sure that you also working through things that come up there might be a lot more conflict than usual when you're stuck in one area with somebody and being able to talk through those things can really build your relationships in the long haul and one fun thing that you might do we are now redefining what social life looks like so bring your kid into that conversation and say okay we can't even shake hands with new people that we meet like what do we do Uh and you can think through fun alternatives of how we get through this time and make it Really, really fun versus a scary time for them.
1: We've got about a minute left, and I know that in your leadership role, you're worried about the kids, you're worried about the parents, but I know you're also worried about the adults and those that are in your care in your school district that are the helping professionals. How are you approaching that? What are you planning? How are you staying in touch with them? So, to a Help.
3: very big question. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> we're staying in touch with our people as best we can digitally. And I okay. think it's important that we remember that even though we're feeling very isolated at home, everybody's out there feeling that way. So keeping a constant connection and checking in and saying, how are you doing? You know, This is my experience today. Because the more you share about what you're going through, the more acceptable it is for others to say, yeah, this is really tough. And it gives them that immediate Oh, I feel better now because
1: I've vocalized it. Well, I I think that's critically important, (laughs) and we're all concerned about the academic pursuits of our kids, but caring for them individually is critically important as well. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. We'll look forward to staying in touch and keep up the great work moving forward. Thank you. After this break, this week's final word. First, I want to tell you that the forum has a special request for our viewers. We want to highlight the various ways that educators, parents, and caregivers are responding to the coronavirus pandemic. If you're a parent who's staying home to be with your child, a teacher who's teaching online, or a volunteering that is helping feed or support our students, please send in a video to share any of the challenges, strategies, and positive stories that you're seeing in your communities. You can upload your video to Twitter and hashtag the NC Forum. who knows? You know, we might just see you on an upcoming show. Now, a final word from me about the road ahead. Over the past few weeks, the only certainty we've had is the uncertainty of this global pandemic and the ripple effect the coronavirus is having on both a daily and long-term basis throughout our society. Let me express our gratitude first to our state and local leaders and their teams who are grappling around the clock with making complex and difficult public policy decisions that will mitigate the health risk. Of COVID-19 to each of us, our families and our community. With the unprecedented mandatory closing of our 2,500 public K-12 schools for at least two weeks and potentially longer, I must also express our collective appreciation to our teachers, principals and our support staff who are seeking innovative ways to allow our children's learning to continue and to help them have a sense of normalcy at such a tumultuous time. We all know that learning and teaching are grounded in the personal relationships between students and teachers, and nurturing these relations will continue to be at the core of what these professionals seek to cultivate as we move forward. Over the past few years in North Carolina, at the state, school, and classroom levels, we've begun to embrace an educational system grounded by a strategy that looks a lot like a three-legged stool, ensuring the well-being of the whole child, the whole school, and the whole community. Today's circumstances are an excellent illustration of just how sound, yet challenging, this approach is. The vast diversity of the educational and individual needs of our children require personalization through resources, strategies, and support. By focusing on the whole child, we know that the inherent inequities some children face must be central to our thinking and problem solving. Whether it's an issue of food insecurity or lack of access to smart learning devices and connectivity, our teachers and school leaders are factoring these variables into their plans and within their available resources, identifying out-of-the-box strategies to meet as many unique student needs as possible. To each of you, let's focus on the essential third leg of the stool, the whole community. Each of us can play a pivotal role personally in making a community-wide difference in the lives of our children as we help them navigate this uncertain time in their young lives. Volunteer opportunities abound from supporting local school and community meal distribution sites to helping your local teachers with needed materials and supply packets for students that don't have access to online resources and materials. Without a doubt, valuable lessons will be learned by all of us along this journey, but knowing North Carolina, I'm confident we will come out of this a better and stronger state so that the lives of our children will be on a positive path forward. Let's stay strong and let's get busy, North Carolina. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for watching.